Hello, and welcome to my podcast, Good Grief. My name is Dr. Christine Malone, and in this podcast, we talk about trauma, tragedy, and survival. In each episode, I will interview someone that has gone through grief in some way, and we will discuss the impact it has had on their life. By sharing these stories, we hope that others won't feel alone should they be going through similar situations. Enjoy. Okay, listeners, thank you so much for joining me for today's podcast. My guest today is going to talk about the story of how she lost her husband and the uh, journey she's been on since then. So, guest, if you would like to introduce yourself and tell us a bit about um, what happened with your husband. Well, my name is Kendra Henry. I live in Kentucky. Um, I have um, four children. I'm a mother of four children. Um, they are now 11, 10, 9, and 8, and um, I'm a widow. And um, that's, the, I guess, what I'm going to talk about. Um, it was almost four years ago, I guess now, that um, he passed. And, and it was real. He left. Well, okay, I'll start. Anyway, I'll get. He left for work. And, um. I kind of knew that um, something was wrong because like I had message and he usually would message whenever he gets to um, work and he didn't, he never told me, he never said anything. Um, so I kind of um, was nervous because it was like 730 in the morning. Um, he had left at like six something. Well, I took the kids to the bus stop, come back home and something just felt terrible. Like I was sick, like my stomach, I was sick. Um, I called, um, dispatch and, um, cause I looked at my phone and it said that they was a, um, a wreck on, um, the road, like, you know, they showed like the red line and, um, like that. Oh, I was sick. And then I went to, um, or I come outside and I called dispatch and uh, I said, are they a wreck on that road? And they said, um, yes. And I said, well, my husband hasn't answered and um, I'm really concerned. And um, she said, what was he driving? And I told him and um, I could hear her voice crack. So I knew, you know, I knew that something was wrong, but she couldn't tell me, you know, she didn't want to deliver that news. Um, she said, well, um, I will get a hold of the state troopers and they would be able to get you through you know, like to get there. So I ran down to my mom's, which is like a block and which I ran down there to get her husband to take me. And, um, I was like, he's dead. He's dead. And my mom was like, you know, he's not, he's, you know, he, he can't be, you know, that's just her. Way. And I just knew with everything in me that he was dead. And, um, then it wasn't probably an, not too long after, like before we could get ready to go, um, the cop car pulled up and, um, I guess, you, you know, we all know like that. So they didn't even have to say anything. I just walked outside and just screamed, no. And there was that, that just, you know, that we've all, if we've suffered a huge loss that we all like just the boo. And that was, um, I don't remember pretty much much rest of that day. Um, I don't like people come. I don't remember none of really 
which kind of went into the next year. Kind of don't remember nothing from that year. But one of the major things that I remember, because then it comes the second part of the worst thing is because now I have to explain to four children that their dad's not coming home. And at the time, so they would have been like four, five, six, and seven if it was yes. four years ago. Yes. Yeah. So, so yeah. tell us how that went. Um, they, uh, the school was really good. They, um, brought them home. Didn't want to bring them home on the bus. Cause we live in a small town. Um, it's just, it would have been, you know, they would like that it makes me sick to my stomach now. Just that, you know, thinking of them coming like, but they knew something was wrong. Austin, my one that is very, um, sensitive. He can pick up on any, he's very much like me. He, um, he told me later on, he's like, I knew something was wrong, but I was thinking that maybe somebody was sick with cancer, you know, like, so he already felt like this is bad. This something's wrong. But he said, but I never expected for, you know, him to just be gone. And I'm like, I know, baby, I know. But like, I had no clue how, like, no one does. Like, you know, like I've been beat myself up. Like I handled this horrible, but like the school, they come and, um, I remember sitting down and telling them, um, is you know and that just breaks my heart now you know thinking about now like just that big emotions that they had to be experiencing but the problem was I was too stuck in my own which is common you know I don't beat myself up for it now but you know like I couldn't really even grasp what was going on with them like how scary that had to be for them because then you know, for the next, say, year, they was really worried about, like, what happened to me, what would happen, you know, like, it was understandable, Yeah. but I wasn't really able to connect with that, like, I wasn't, I was so, um, just running, I mean, I, um, following it, he, um, he had life insurance, so, um, that was able to, you know, really just give me the freedom to run is what it done it didn't re- you know like like you know you think that you want money until you know you have money and then you just have a lot of pain so but then it's just um, yeah money, money doesn't take pain away that's, no, that's no. and people will act like oh well well at least you had this yeah like I got you know there was a two hundred and fifty thousand dollar check that come in the mail and it's like at the time, even, you know, like, okay, well, you can fix all this. You can do all this, but no, all as I did was run from my pain. Like, that's it. I, and it, like I bought a house and all of this and everything like, but it didn't fix anything. Like, um, I really just for a year, I was involved in everybody else's drama, so much just ignorance, nothing, um, nothing that I should have been doing. I mean, just foolish. I mean, 1500 items from Amazon, like the first year, you know, like it was just like, and I start to realize like, this is what most people have been doing their whole lives. Like it's just running from this, including me. I mean, that's what I was doing. Like with that pain. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I realized like, and that's part of like my healing in the past two years to really realize like, do I want to heal or do I want to keep staying in that? Like, so anyway, that's on, on the part, but back like, so the first, for the first year, um, it was also during when COVID was COVID hit and, um, the kids was in school. Well, they was in school and then they was out of school. And then this mother with me was supposed to be their teacher. 
you know, like, because they was home. They like, shoot, I didn't. I don't know how we. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know how we got through this. I really have no clue, but we did <laughs> halfway. Uh, but it was after this that I started to see that it wasn't just my pain that I was running from. And I guess that that was the moment that I really knew something had to change. I could not stay stuck in this pattern because I noticed like I was loving them to say just the way that I was loving myself. I was buying me things to cover up my pain and then, oh, buy them a switch. Oh, they're sad. Oh, I hate this. Give them everything they want because they're going through stuff. Like all they really needed was me to set the hell down and be with them. That's all that they needed me to do. But I didn't know that at the time because, I mean, I grew up in dysfunction with two alcoholic parents that never knew how to be with no one's pain. And I guess for a long time, just to touch on this for a second, like for a long time, I thought like that my parents didn't love me. It was me that they didn't love because they was never present with me. And then I realized in my own mess that that's exactly what I was doing to my kids so I guess a lot of that healing come through to realize that my parents did love me they just didn't know how to love themselves they didn't know how to be present with themselves so that's whenever this whole started to come to me like hey well you can do this you don't have to you know you know do anything special just be there like that's all your kids need and I could tell like the pain like looking in their eyes was something that I knew all too well and it wasn't like they had lost their dad it was they was alone in that pain and that's as an only child yeah they'd lost their mom too because you weren't yeah 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 and like as an only child to both alcoholics that uh, I mean my dad they loved me but they it was their own their own mess that they never could connect with me and I And it was that whole history that was able to make me see like, well, you can do something like you feel stuck in this, but you know, like that part of me just knew that I had to get through this. So that's whenever the whole like, okay, well, how do you, how, how, (laughs) you know, cause nobody knows like, so then, um, I stopped, like, I remember being outside and my mom was like, Kendra, what are you going to do whenever you're broke? And I was like, I'm going to sit here in color. Like, I'm, you know, like, I won't have to deal with no one. I won't have to, because whenever you have money, you have people, all kinds of people. (laughs) And and so that brought all kinds of, and since I was a fixer and I fixed everybody's problems to avoid fixing my own, I was real convenient. It was real convenient for everyone. So um, besides me. But once I realized what I was doing, you know, to my kids, that was, I guess, the turning point. But now I forgot where I was going. Um, well, let's, let's pivot over. To, I want to talk about what kind of support did you have at the time? You mentioned a small oh. town. So, you know, yeah. was there any, you know, well, support for you um, or anything? No, uh, the support was like, people say like, oh, well, they didn't have no one. Like, I get it. Like, I, uh, my mom was the one that, before the before the funeral she was tore up because she didn't know what she was going to wear meanwhile you know I'm trying to dress myself and my four children but my mom which has always been you know she makes her problems everybody else's problems because you know she's she didn't deal well with pain I mean she does she covers it up that's what she's always done so she shows up late 
drunk to the funeral and I'm like you know so that's just a whole nother like excuse me I'm sorry <laughs> but that was a whole nother like okay this is you know like but you can't even really think about it but that still hurts like at the time like okay yeah of course you show up you're drinking so that's not you being present for me or nothing else because she's showing up all smiles and you know just waving at everybody and acting like that oh like everything is you know because she don't want to show the pain I get it no one does but um but so there was people there was so many people at the funeral but like of course I see no one like I don't really remember anyone being there and part of it was me I had disconnected from everyone before because I was hate to say so much like my mom let's not show that vulnerability let's not show that pain to anyone so I can't really blame other people for not support you know because if they asked me I would say I was fine I mean because I was afraid no one had ever been there to give me the support I didn't know that that was something you know, that people do for each other, like just support people through that, just sit there and listen. I didn't know. So um, that was really something that I guess, you know, like I've learned along the way that that's what people need. They just need someone just to listen, no one just to fix it. Like we've all, you know, like we all get in the habit of doing, it's just to be there through it. And, um, oh, and, oh, I was going to speak about how like, my dad that was a whole um he also like he paid for the funeral but he didn't come so it was only my mom and my stepdad which uh, my stepdad has been a very present loving man for 13 years but um I never seen that because I wanted my dad I you know my dad was who I loved more than anything and he's who raised me but he he wasn't there so like I really took that love that Roger which is my stepdad would give me like I just I didn't see him as like but he stood beside me at the funeral and he he was there um meanwhile the funeral was a mess like I the only thing I remember there was my kids handprints across the casket you know and you're thinking this is not right this is not how this is supposed to be and but like it's a mess like you don't like that's what I really like like it hurts to think because there's other people that's in this situation like a funeral is happening and you're the one that everybody's expecting to orchestrate this thing and you have no clue like luckily somebody gave me some songs like I don't like you know, I hadn't been to a funeral since I was, a. I didn't have a clue how none of that worked, but like it all did, you know, we, and, um, there was some people following, um, I don't know that she was there. It was my, uh, husband's cousin and they was there. And I remember they was more like, oh, well, they was in from another state and it was like, oh, well, this is going to be something we can get together you know they was gonna celebrate you know what I mean like oh like family time they was glad to and I'm just like what the hell like what what do y'all mean like you know but I get it but two weeks after she wrote me because she went back home um her husband left or he was killed and she wrote me and she was like I'm so sorry Um, I'm so sorry because she felt she knew that pain then you know like and um 
then another friend that I lived that was in Michigan. I mean, my husband worked with her husband and like we went to the zoo. It wasn't, she lived far away, but anyway, like, um, she, um, wrote me and this was back whenever I was still running. And this is one of my biggest regrets is like, I was scared to death to answer the phone. I remember not talking to her. Like she had lost her husband and I'm like, I have no clue what the hell to tell you. Like I'm stuck. Like I'm, you know, like I don't have, no one is, <laughs> I had no, and now, you know, like I've talked to her since and, you know, really apologize, you know, apologize for not being there because that I knew she was trying to reach out. Cause I'm sure she was in that same spot I was in right. and just wanting somebody, Hey, d- you know, tell me like that this is going to be okay. And I'm over here. Like, I don't know at this point that it's going to be okay. Like I had no clue. And, um, luckily, you know, like she's she's remarried you know she's doing good and you know like it all does work out but I know like during those times and that's what I hurt you know because I know that I really like you know abandoned her then like you know made her feel like that oh like it's I don't know it's just uh, but anyway yeah you find out who your true friends are during that because I know oh oh yeah yeah friends of grief I know I've I've turned my back on, on friends that I know love me and I love them, but I just, I just, I just couldn't deal with anything. Um, and they were still there for me when I was ready to do something. And that, that they, I mean, that just is amazing to me. Yeah. You know, you have a really good friend is when they are there for you, even in crappy times or even when times when you're crappy. Right. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So, so that's you, really, go ahead. You said, you know, you got to the point where you were done running. So what was that? What was it you started to do? or steps you started to take or whatever at that point in time to say, I'm taking control, you know, I'm going to be back in charge here. What was, what did that look like? Or what, where did you go to find resources or whatever it was? Oh, well, I just stopped any kind of contact with pretty much anyone. I don't recommend that that, you know, like, but that was all I knew to do. I didn't know that you could reach out. That's why now it's so important. I want people to reach out, but uh, I didn't know that that was a thing that you did. So like, but I started, um, really went inward. Um, I didn't associate, talk to anyone. Um, I started a garden and I started doing, you know, I started doing that and I like put all this time and it grew like I had so much stuff growing, but I didn't do nothing with it. Cause I didn't really, I didn't, you know, it was just something that I wanted to just to do just to, it just felt right. I know now I read stuff and it tells you to do those things, but like at the time you, you're just kind of just doing what feels, you know, more healing that just to be more present with yourself. So like I done, um, and then I also done a lot of journaling. I done a lot and a lot of journaling. And then it was, I'd done about six months of like puzzles, and it's like, I've like thought that, you know, I have reached, you know, my, like, this is just what I'm going to be now. It's just this lady that sits around and does puzzles, <laughs> but, but like, it really was, I just needed that space. I just needed to free up this space in my head to actually give my brain time to be like, okay, now we can start to process some of this stuff. Like, and that's whenever I knew, like, like at first you really don't know, like, that it's working you don't know like because you're not like oh I'm better you just kind of feel like you're headed in the right direction like and I would try to you know at least 
then give myself more space to like grieve and to cry and like instead of turn like whenever a song would come on I know a lot of people will turn that off like oh no that hurts and I like and I learned to actually just be more present with that like yeah this is this is it but it's okay like I would let the song play I would let it and um as I was able to give me more like that safe space within me I become that for my kids and that was the whole goal of it all because they was holding on to their um you know because it's hard for a kid to come you know to complain about anything whenever their mom is a mess much less these huge feelings that they have circulating so I realized that you know in order for them to feel safe enough with me I had to feel safe and um so it wasn't probably, it was probably a, a year following um, that I started. And then it was probably the next year that uh, we really, um, I really started focusing more on their pain, like processing it. Like, it's crazy because we went to the doctor and Brayden, my oldest, he was like, my mom just wants to talk about feelings all the, <laughs> all the time. And, but now like he is so like, they was on ADHD medicine. They was on all the, you know, like they're not on anything now, you know, like my second, um, oldest, he would, he would come home with, um, his pockets full of stuff. You know, he would pick up everything because he said, whenever he would like go to throw away a piece of paper, he would see a face on it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like, and I knew that that was all tied to this lot, you know, not wanting to get rid of stuff. And I was like, buddy I have a garage full you know like I get it this is something we have to work through but like so I was able more to talk with him to help him understand why he was doing it rather than why the hell do you got all this stuff in your pocket every day yeah yeah, yeah. so like I was more able to more understand what was going on with him and talk them through it and then like um more talk about like their dad would come up like and I guess that's also like I had no choice but to process because um, every time you look at them, you think of, you know, your your spouse, you look at them and you're at the um, like their graduation and you're at their first football games and you're at everything that most people don't realize that brings up so huge amount of grief that like, you know, like you just wish that they was here. And then, you know, that your child is going through that same thing like wanting their daddy to see them do this wanting their daddy's like yeah your kids are so young and I, I just want to share the term I like to use is pockets of grief um, and those pockets of grief will come up um, throughout their lives I mean um, as I share with you my my um, first husband passed away when my kids were two and four and my two-year-old was my daughter and even um, you know all the events the graduation her, her wedding, you know, the birth of her two children, all those things where you would have your, you would want to have your parents there. Those little pockets of grief come up and it's just as fresh as it was when you lost the person, because it's like you, you reopened this thing to realize that that person um, in, in you know normal life, whatever that means would be there for you is really hard. Um, not only for you, but uh, yeah, prepare for that with the kids. Cause there'll be a lot of those episodes all the way into their adult lives where it'll come up and, and, all you can do is talk about their feelings and, and you're, you're already prepared to do that. But just, um, I know for me, those were always hard times. It's like when I would see my kids sad, I don't want to see my kids sad. So yeah, uh, we want to protect that. And, you know, and I was really thankful for the healing as far as in where I've got, cause okay. So 
after um i'm going to touch on my son he lost there was a rooster and he loved this rooster it followed everyone around the yard it was like a dog and um we'd only had him for like a year um anyway like austin um he just which is the one that had the stuff in his pockets the one that you know was really struggles a lot because he's real sensitive he um he feels everything so deeply and um he um he I was leaving and he comes running and I could tell by the way that he said mommy that something was bad wrong and he just falls into me because a raccoon had got into Ernie's cube and got him and this you know like it was such a proud like hurtful it like oh I was a mess and it was just beautiful though because like we was handling it like we should have just break down and it's okay and the fact that like whenever you know your kid just falls into you like in that moment but I was so proud because like I would have never been able to be that place for him a year or two before I wouldn't have been able to you know we would have just got another damn rooster you know like we you know I mean we would have just fixed this real quick you know but um we didn't like he went and got a shovel and he went and bug him and you know it's raining and we're we're all out there to you know like had to go get him and had to you know like so and then afterwards he's mad at all raccoons once I'm all dead and I'm like baby I know that's just you know like and it's just crazy because that's how it works like he was mad at the person that you know um crossed over and hit his dad you know like he was mad at her forever when it spoke very you know angry things about what would happen what he wanted to happen to her and all of that but like this was just beautiful to be able to see because now like he's not mad you know mad at all raccoons he's not like he's processed that like we can talk about Ernie now like it's good and just like we can talk about their dad now like the beauty and I think that that's what most of us we hide behind that pain for so long covering it up and we miss talking about the good that's all there like because we don't no one wants to talk about it no one wants to talk about Ernie or we don't want to upset him or so many talk about Justin which I'm sure most people in grief you know a lot of people they just want to talk about it that's all they want to do and then but most people don't want to upset them and all you know like I get it that it was just, you know, like, I'm just so thankful for it to be able to actually be that safe place for my kids now, like after so long of running, after so long evading and covering up and fixing their feelings, I could finally just be there to support them. Yeah, well, you brought up a comment before we started recording about um, the thought of writing a book called, you know, how to grieve in a society that tells you not to grieve. And I I think that's, that's, that really says about our culture and how we handle or don't handle grief, especially. Yeah. Just cover it up. Just fix yeah. it. There's a pill for it. Yeah. Especially or there's sugar. There's uh, there's yeah. always yeah. There's something. Alcohol, there's drugs. There's all kinds of things. Um, mm-hmm. And especially when it comes to a you know an unexpected young person, whatever, whatever. I mean, if it's your 90 year old grandfather, it's like, oh, you know, I'm really sorry, you know, but you had this wonderful 90 year old grandfather, blah blah blah. But when it's the you know 29 year old or it's a kid or whatever, it's a very different um, 
kind of loss and people are so uncomfortable talking about it that it's doesn't make it any easier for those people who are mm -hmm. it's like well i can't talk about it because i don't want to make you uncomfortable by bringing it up because now you're all like you know it's kind of like and I, then that uncomfortable is like they think that it's going to catch them like that's what you know like yeah, an yeah, seat. Yeah, yeah yeah they are like oh god well that's and i'm just in a relationship right now that it's really like trying to teach these whole feelings things because I'm like this is my feeling it's not going to get you I just need you to be present with it yeah. I just need you to not run from it not make me feel bad for feeling bad you know you don't need to fix it because I get it I used to be that person that like oh god somebody's tore up here let me do whatever sacrifice myself as much as possible to make you feel better and I realized that that's not how it works right. that we just right. need that space to just to feel like <laughs> so that's the important part is to feel now I want to talk about I know you got into life coaching so tell me how the how you made that move and and kind of you know who are the people you work with what what's their demographic and you know what made you want to do that um I really um okay this was about a year ago that I really wanted to now be more um there for people that whenever I like whenever I needed it, like the people, whenever I was really struggling and unsure what to do. So I wanted to then be able to be that strong person. That's instead of telling people like, Oh, it's okay. Or, you know, everything happens for a reason, just hold space for them. <laughs> so I wanted to be able to, you know, do that in an impactful way or whatever. So that's what, you know, I got into life coaching to try to actually, you know, be there. Um, whenever people actually need it, which is hard for, you know, I don't even know if in the spot that I was in, if I would have been able to um, reach out, like, cause you, I guess I didn't even know like that was available or that was something that people do. Like I didn't, I just went to the doctor and got an antidepressant, anti-anxiety and a something else, a mood stabilizer. Yep. Yep. I hear that. Which, you, which, you know, I'm off of all, I, I, took myself off all of them I didn't go to the doctor I didn't which I don't I don't recommend you know don't recommend that but you know I gradually was like I knew that the only way to heal was to feel like that I had to let myself feel it because I learned this the hard way so like that's why like you know now I work with people that especially is have young kids and they're trying to process their grief and because that Un, just the understanding of what we're doing to our kids whenever we're right is usually enough under is enough for parents to be like okay you know I have to fix this or they're going to be fixed you know somebody along this generational is going to have to you know fix whatever it is so usually that gives us the courage to be like okay I've got to work on this instead of just covering it up but um I um I don't know where I was going again the people you work with so are they mostly younger people who've had yeah yes most of them um I do work um with some that's just you know just grief in general um one um she had lost her son um it was shortly after um like it was probably a year or two after well so I was into my healing journey enough then to be like just to reach out to her and just tell her like the only thing you have to do is feel like I know everybody's going to make you feel guilty they're going to make you feel like that don't talk about him they're going to make you feel all of this stuff but you have to just be able to just feel this loss and 
she's doing so like she told me you know like a year later she was like you know there was nobody that you know could have talked to me and told me the stuff that you done she's like so many people wrote to me and told me you know things happened for you know like all of these things that none of it was really how how to move on now what are you supposed to do and I, that's whenever I started to realize that um that was the most important thing is to just feel it and that was like you know the message that like you know now anybody that I work with is that I just want to give them that permission to feel because ultimately that's how we heal <laughs> so you're, you're the safe place for them whether they have you know a support elsewhere or not you're the safe place that says it's okay to feel it's okay yeah. to express how you feel and and um to talk about it and that's I think I, I know from my own experience with grief that talking about it is really what mm -hmm. makes me be mm -hmm. key I can't keep mm -hmm. this I can't, I can't pretend like it didn't happen I can't and another thing is not I can't hold on to only the good memories I got I remember that there was you know there's bad mm -hmm. stuff and I have to own that and, but eventually you know the good does kind of outweigh the yeah. bad and stuff but we still have those pockets of grief that'll come back mm -hmm. father's day whatever where it's like oh yeah birthdays you remember these things and it's 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 those things don't really get easier I think they just get I want to use the word softer maybe they're not as yeah. full of a dagger going in as time goes by that more understanding of it is yeah. really what you know help like with my kids um Brighton at one time was like no just whenever somebody says daddy it hurts so bad and yeah. you know like that's just and I'm like baby I know I know but I just wanted him to understand that like instead of um getting angry because I think that as a society that's often what we want to do like be jealous now I have something against this person over here just because they have a dad <laughs> you know like now I'm going to find all kinds of things that I don't like about them but like we was able to actually talk about you know like and he was able to process the fact that it's nothing against them. It's just, he misses his own dad. He wishes he had that. So, and it wasn't, you know, so instead of like him just getting mad at everyone that has a dad, which is understandable, you know, but he really, you know, got through that. Like, I think just because of that understanding that, you know, like it was something within him that he had to work on and not something outside of him. I really want to commend you, especially with kids as young as yours for, you know, getting them on that path at such a young age. I know that's not easy to do. And it also is going to set them up for a life of, of you yeah. know, healthy relationships and, and ability to yeah. talk. That kind of stuff that's what kids. I told Brayden is okay. like, you will thank me one day, you know, that your mommy was so much into feelings because like your mommy ran from forever and they was on the same path. My two oldest, I'm still trying to correct, you know, the dysfunction that I done, you know, the avoidance, the running from the, you know, all of that, like that I done and my two youngest. Now I caught them more. Um, I appeared back on scene or become more present in time for them to really not to develop so many unhealthy coping skills. Um, so he's really still like my third one. He's um, he's just so present. And so, you know, like, it's just amazing what like healing really can do. Like, I mean, mine two oldest, they're better. They're off medicine. They're, you know, their school's improving everything. You know, we're doing, we're doing better. But um, I really do regret a lot, you know, but I can stay stuck in that, you know, for 
so long. You've got to give yourself grace. You didn't have any idea what to do. You know, nobody no. that there's no book, there's no, you know, whatever. and the, I love that you're paying it forward in the work that you're doing now. And, and if you think about just the number of people that you are helping, it is, um, it's really cool. I really, I really think that's an awesome thing to get into. I know I, I've met a lot of people who channel um, their grief into helping others. And I'm always just like, that's just such a, I mean, again, because the person that you're talking to who doesn't know, you know, you don't want them stuck in those years like you were. Yeah. Stuck. Like I was, yeah. Cause that's what I just, I ultimately, I don't know. There was a book, um, somebody from Justin's work had sent me and it said, um, you can't heal anything that you can't feel. And that's really what opened my whole eyes. Like, I'm like, oh my God, I have been not feeling my entire life. Like, so like it was those little pamphlets, you know, like these little snippets of like information that really can say, like set our whole um, trajectory of our life on a different path. Because, so that's what I realized, like with me, like, for a while I was stuck, like, how could I help? How can I be there? How can I, but I, then I think about my own path and how it was just those simple things, like with, you know, the person, whenever she lost her son and her just knowing that it was okay to feel this, it's going to hurt. Just that permission was really all that she needed to be able to move on forward. You know, like she did a year later, started moving on with getting rid of his stuff. And, you know, she was just, and it's beautiful to see her to get to that process, to yep. get to that, because um, I know that that's a whole nother, you know, issue like that. We don't really realize until it happens to us, all that, all that stuff that happens. And that grieving process is, is never the same from one person to another, but mm-hmm. it, it all still incorporates a lot of those same things. I mean, anger definitely in there, you know, depression, all that kind of stuff is so normal in the grieving process. And um, to tell people, you know, that that's normal and that it's okay. And you can talk to me about it is it's just such a, a great thing. Um, we are going to link to your website when we post your um, your podcast so that other people can reach out to you if they um, would like to do so. Um, but before we go, anything else you'd like to share about um, your experience or advice you would give someone who maybe is is grieving? Anything along those lines? Um, the only thing would be would to feel it. I know it sucks and I know it's nothing about it is easy, but the biggest thing whenever you're going through anything is to just let yourself feel it because if you cover it up, I promise it will. I love this quote that says something about, you know, a feeling won't kill, you know, will never kill you, but running from it certainly will. And and I feel like that that's what so many of us are doing. Like I ran from my pain for years, even prior, like, so feeling was the ultimately way that I found myself and was like, okay, you know, you've run running from yourself for so long. So let's just stop and feel. What a great message. Well, thank you so much for being my guest today. I've, I've really enjoyed hearing you. I, I've, I've written down several comments that you've made because they really resonate with me. So <laughs> well, thank you for having me. I know this is all new and it's all like I will get so, you know, because they are so much that I want to share and want to be able to help others with. But, you know, that's still that part of me that is like, uh, you know, you know, like that gets nervous and gets anxious and it's all just working through it. I know I just got to work through it. But it's, but it's, that, it's that humanity that you exude that really, I can see why that would really help people because you're very human and real. And in the moment, it's no catchphrases or whatever. You're just, oh, you're, yeah. 
yeah, that that to me, I mean, I can totally feel that genuine thing coming from you, which I think is is amazing. So again, thank you so much for what you do. It has been a pleasure to meet you and have a great Thank day. you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Good Grief. To hear more about my personal story, please pick up a copy of my book, The Day I Became the Spider Killer, a memoir of trauma, tragedy, and survival, available in paperback, Kindle, and Audible via Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other online book retailers.